Hello and welcome to another episode of Dakota Career with me, Cameron Blackwood. Today's guest is Eva Atkinson. Now, Eva and I actually have a remarkably similar career in a lot of ways. We started out mainly at the same company, Talent.io, both in the recruitment tech area. During our tenure at Talent.io, we each decided we wanted to become coders. However, whilst I went down the web technologies route, Eva actually decided to go down the business intelligence route. Eva joins us today to discuss business intelligence and what a typical day looks like in that world, lessons she's learned from self-teaching, and how you can successfully transition to a technical role from a non-technical role in the same company. Eva also joins us today to discuss Noggin, her new startup. I won't spoil too many details, but it has the potential to be a totally revolutionary consumer fintech app. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey Eva, how are you doing? Great to have you on. Hey Cam, yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Um, thank you for having me. It's uh, yeah, great to be here. No worries at all. Good to catch up as well, because obviously uh, you're uh, another one of my former colleagues. I think you are the third member of the Talent IO alumni to come on the uh, come on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Exciting, love it. <laughs> yeah, cool. So we'll, we'll go we'll go more into depth about what you actually did at Talent later in the uh, in the pod because it's very relevant to uh, to what what we're going to talk about today, but. How I normally like to warm things up and for the audience to get to know you a bit better is I have some quick fire questions. So I sent you those in advance. So hopefully you've got some answers and then we can go through uh, from uh, from there if that sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Uh, so what was your first ever computer? Tough question. Can't remember. Had a PC <laughs> when I was about five. No idea what type it was. That's an early start. It was a very early start. Uh, but all it could do to my knowledge was play games so Zumbinis and I had this game for like, I don't know what it's called, but it's got like a postman, a little postman or like jolly postman or something <laughs> and Madeline. So I played on a computer for being about five, but nice. um, we don't know what type. Fair enough. It's the uh, best <laughs> use case for a computer games. I still, yeah. I still think that now at 26. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> what about uh, your favorite tech city? Um, I'm going to go for London just because I'm obviously pretty biased, but um <laughs> Yeah, obviously I'm in London, so London. Yeah, I mean London's great, right? Like, there's I don't think there's many better places. I mean, I don't live there anymore, but yeah, it, it, it's awesome, and uh, there's so much history of the tech scene there, and it's just a cool city. So yeah, why not? That's always a good yeah. answer. <laughs> um, what about um, when you're getting down to some work? Um, what what music do you like to listen to? So um, when I'm yeah when I'm like gonna start coding something, I will generally I want something really upbeat. It's gonna make me feel like really energized and like motivated. So I kind of want music that makes me feel like I'm like the main character in a movie. So oh, nice. like maybe like Florence and the Machine or like Taylor Swift or something. And then I kind of have this whole like you know when you get like really stuck and you're in a bit of a hole. Yeah. It's like this protagonist storyline and I'm, it's all in my head and the music. Um, and the music kind of gets me through. So yeah, something very upbeat, um, I think. Nice. That, uh, that's cool. I, I, I kind of do the same thing, but I go the opposite way, um, <laughs> which makes me sound really weird. But I love, I don't know if you've seen Mr. Robot. It was the big yes. thing Rami <laughs> Malek was in. The Mr. Yeah. Robot soundtrack, if you've never tried coding to it, you need to try coding to it. It's That's unreal. Such a good idea. Okay, I'm it, actually it's so good. I literally feel like uh, <laughs> Remy Malek's character. What's his name? Elliot, and in the thing yeah, where yeah. he's, uh, yeah, he's such a cool character. And like, um, yeah, I feel like that when I'm typing my JavaScript, and I feel like I'm taking down Evil Corp myself. You know, I love <laughs> even that. when I'm just changing the color of a button or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel cool. that. Um, I'm, I'm going to try that. <laughs> and uh, this one causes a lot of controversy. And I, I was seeing, I was trying to remember if you were or weren't from um, when we worked at Talent together. Um, are you a early bird or night owl? I, at Talent, 
I was a night owl for sure. Mm. But maybe in the last like 12 months or so, I've started to switch a a little. And I think, um, yeah, I I read this book called The Miracle Morning. Okay. And it's basically, I read the book because I was such a night owl. Yeah. And I read the book and I kind of sort of found this new appreciation for the morning. And now I've got this routine where like I always have to get up like at least an hour earlier Mm. than I need to be up. So I can have an hour in the morning just to do like my own stuff, like reading, um, yeah, things that are sort of, I see as sort of high priority. Um, so yeah, I've sort of become more of a morning person, but my instinct I think is probably night owl. Nice. Yeah, I, I've started leaving that hour um, in the morning. Like, I mean, I, I was pretty extreme at talent. Like, I mean, a lot of us were night owls, but I was crashing in like maybe one minute to spare getting shouted at you know? yeah <laughs> I mean Good to times. be fair we we had a beer tap in that office which is probably why I was late most mornings um but yeah it was yeah <laughs> these yeah. days in my in my old age I'm moving more towards um early mornings and yeah I'm the same like leave an hour um it's it's the best way to do it and if you sh- if li- any listeners like struggling with it just like give it a try for like a week and I, I promise you you'll be more productive for sure uh I was going to say, I'm sure you agree, but you literally just said that as well yourself. Yeah, so, yeah. The yeah. Miracle Morning, that book, honestly, like it's quite American and it's like not for everyone, but it really convinced me of the power mm. of the morning where I was in the, be- in the beginning when I read it, I was like, nah, never me. But actually yeah. I've been converted, so... I quite like the American um, positivity. Some, <laughs> you have to put a bit of a filter on it, I find. And um, the American positivity, like it doesn't quite translate over <laughs> to Britain, but we could definitely take a leaf out of their book sometimes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. British comedy is definitely superior. But, oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, in terms of before the days where you uh, got into tech and everything like that, what, what job did you want when you were a kid? I wanted first, when I was like primary school, I wanted to be a lawyer. And then I had like a few years in sort of senior school where I thought I wanted to be a doctor. I toured with that for a while. And then it, it was early application. I wasn't ready. Lots of things didn't align there. Um, but then I went back to wanting to be a lawyer as well when I was a bit older. So I think law is probably the one I would say I always had like a inclination uh, towards. Nice. That has to be the most like mature primary school mind of all time like I think I wanted to be like I'm I think I probably wanted to be a car until I was about seven years old not a race car driver just a car I think I wanted to be actually I've never answered this question myself on the, on the podcast when I was in primary school I wanted to, to uh design flags for countries so I guess just go wherever that. there was some kind of like military coup or something and just redesign a flag. Um, <laughs> that that is incredibly mature. That you want to be a lawyer, though. That is that is very impressive. And yeah. uh, uh, you you, um, you you and me, we both neither of us did computer science degrees, or even I don't think you did a technical degree at all, did you? No. Uh, you're the same as me, yeah. So how did your journey into tech start, going from uni up to when we worked as talent, and uh, now to the point where you are now an entrepreneur yourself? So. After I finished studying at LSE, so I was in London, I knew I kind of wanted to stay in London. Um, that's when I joined Talent as an intern within Growth. It was during that time, I think, during my internship that I started coding for the first time, uh, just in my spare time. Uh, initially, JavaScript, which to me seems really weird now because I don't do anything around mm. web. Um, I, I don't know why I ended up on JavaScript, but anyway, I did. Um, but I loved it. And just I think like the problem solving aspect, I was like really, really enjoying it. I was sort of addicted to like coding in the evenings. And 
I'd always loved maths and during my studies I'd always done sort of statistics based like dissertations things like this so once I discovered there was like where maths kind of meets coding was kind of like the data side of things was kind of where I suddenly was like wait this is this is what I should be doing so I stopped the JavaScript obviously um and yeah started learning Python um and yeah just got kind of interested in data um but yeah I took a lot of Udemy courses I think initially and I did a data science boot camp online not like an official like boot camp um but then I think I was super lucky that at the time when I was doing all of this it sort of coincided really nicely with what talent were doing at the time and they wanted to kind of uh, introduce BI and I guess the stars kind of magically aligned and that I'd expressed an interest they actually had a need and the two sort of came together at just the right moment so I was really lucky that I was able to sort of move into a data role at talent uh, mm. which was yeah fantastic really <laughs> yeah Sh- shifting internally is one of the best ways to properly break into a technical role and for listeners that maybe aren't aware because uh, most tech people that have come on here are either in like leadership or they are basically a web developer be that front end or back end business intelligence is a different area and people might not be familiar do you want to just like explain roughly what it is from a bird's eye perspective yeah for sure uh so it's basically like harnessing the power of data within a company uh so basically sort of involves like data warehousing and reporting the goal is basically to make sure that like managers and decision makers and basically everyone in the business has access to accurate data easily um I'm not sure how traditional my or typical my role was of a BI role. Like I actually have no context for this whatsoever. Um, but yeah, it was sort of a mixture of gathering requirements from business users, understanding uh, what data they need to sort of make decisions, and then building reports that they can use to access that data easily. Uh, I guess before you get to the reports, you also have to then build the infrastructure that's needed to support the reports that the business users want, basically. Um, so yeah, taking their requirements, understanding what we need to build from an infrastructure perspective, building that, and then building the reports on top to deliver these sort of data, this kind of insights to to the business, basically. Mm. So a really critical role in taking into account the wider strategy. And it's something that people have asked me, I want to maybe move from a purely commercial role into something a bit techy. And I've said business intelligence is a good way to go because it can really combine the two areas. Definitely. You're kind of sitting in between, I would say. So like, obviously, I was in the tech team and it's a data role, but it's really, really close to business. And obviously coming from a business, I was in a business role initially in the company. So that kind of helped a lot as well, because you kind of know uh, the processes, you kind of know, um, you're kind of commercially minded. And I think it's quite a good role for somebody who has a commercial sort of mind, but also interested in data and sort of that side of things. And it sort of sits nicely in between, I think. Yeah, because there's a lot of routes you could take into it. Like I could see someone coming into it for maybe, you know, doing sales previously or doing marketing because you were originally doing a lot of that growth marketing sort of stuff at at Talent. I mean, you were basically having to do everything. (laughs) You were quite busy. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) absolutely. But yeah, I think from a marketing standpoint as well, like marketing, they touch a lot of data. And um, yeah, I think it's a lot of it is kind of measuring like um, business activities. Um, Yeah, I think marketing would be quite an interesting route to come into it from. But yeah. I think it's one of the things you could be in a sort of a commercial role um, and if you're quite data savvy and quite um, that way inclined I think yeah you could quite easily make that transition um, mm. yeah that uh, that sounds really good and uh, what what's a typical day like for someone in, in that kind of role would you say you're spending like over half your time coding or is it more you're doing strategy meetings and then going away and working on your sort of models and that kind of thing 
It really depends. I would say it's not a very great answer, but it depends a lot on like what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, fair enough. And sort of like the resource that we have at the time. Um, generally speaking, I think I'd spend sort of maybe five or six hours a week doing like ad hoc requests from like anyone in the business who might put in tickets, you know, saying I need support this particular thing. Mm. And then the rest of the time, sort of um, half of the time, I'd probably be thinking about like, um, maybe half the time, maybe thinking about like, our kind of initiatives and our like roadmap, the bigger things, initiatives we want to sort of achieve during the year, which might be like, I don't know, building out like, uh, maybe we've got a new business process that we kind of want to model and we sort of want to build some infrastructure around. And that may be half of the time. And then the other half of the time would be, um, I don't know, actually, a lot of it is around like iterating on what we already have as well. So it's like, obviously a lot changes, especially when a company that's like growing and scaling quite quickly, like a lot changes there's so much change in terms of like what we need to be reporting on and new ways of measuring um new key metrics that we want to look at so i think a lot of it is like iterating on like reports and data that we already sort of models that we already have um so they can sort of better meet the needs of the business basically when you're generating these reports are you turning you mentioned python earlier on you tend to write the scripting in in python and then uh, maybe use like a sql database or something like that what, what's your general tech stack like so it's actually mostly SQL. Um, okay. I used to do more Python in the beginning and I don't really, honestly, like I haven't touched Python in actually a really long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, most of it's SQL and then we use BigQuery um, and then Google Data Studio as well. Um, and then we have like an ETL, uh, like a mini sort of ETL tool um, that we sort of, um, we built it in-house actually. I don't think it's anything off the shelf. Um, yeah, it's often the way with these sort of tooling um, solutions, like people end up building their own thing because especially if your product is relatively unique, like Talents is, uh, I'm sure the regular listeners know what Talent is, but it's basically, I, I guess I'd, it's been a while since I've had to sell it to anyone, but <laughs> it's basically the recruitment solution uh, where you don't have to use an agency, you know, it's like a futuristic recruitment agency, I guess is <laughs> how I describe it. I don't know if I've, uh, what, what's the tagline they're using these days? I've been gone for like three, I've been gone for like three years now. So, <laughs> I think it's, oh, I can't actually remember. I'm going to embarrass myself by trying to remember. Isn't like the easiest way, I, the easiest way for a software developer to find their yeah, something the job like they that. love or something like yes. that? I didn't say it very well. But. <laughs> Uh, just go on literally talent.io if you're looking yeah, for, yeah. for a job in tech. Um, we can both verify it's a good place to get one. In fact, actually, uh, I got hired through, to, weirdly, I got hired through talent.io yes. into a job as a software engineer. So I can I verify it. It works. Yeah, it was a bit weird. And I think probably <laughs> the system probably glitched out when it saw my name as a candidate. But yeah. <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so cool, though. I completely forgot about that. I, to be honest, I forgot about it until I just said. I was like, how did I get that job at M2A? Oh, yeah, it was talent, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, and it, I guess the path is less uh, trodden in terms of like how people get into BI. Like it, People don't come from a single source so much as like web dev. Everyone comes from either computer science degree or they go and do a boot camp or they'll self-teach. Um, no one's 100% self-taught in web dev anyway. Like uh, Everyone has probably done some kind of paid course. So... What I'm saying is people, there's a pretty well-defined funnel. Whereas in BI, from what I can see, there isn't much of that yet because the ecosystem is not as mature. I mean, I might be wrong. How, how would people usually go about getting into it, um, would you say? Yeah, it's a good question. And to be honest, I was super lucky that I didn't have to 
it all sort of aligned very nicely that I was able to kind of move into this role within the company I was already working for. So I didn't really have to go to that point of like trying to, to find a role or anything like this. Um, I actually honestly don't know how you would get into this. My guess would be that really just like a, a lot of assumptions here, but it feels to me like SQL is really, really important more so than Python, which is what I originally thought. And that's what I was mm. fucking learning. And to be honest, having like a really, really solid and like, uh, understanding and kind of ability with SQL seems to be sort of fundamental, I would say, and uh, being able to transform data. Um, and there are some like books and stuff that I think are kind of like, I always hear the same things being referenced. So I feel like there were a few books maybe yeah. that are like sort of fundamental here. Um, one being like the data warehouse lifecycle toolkit, is it called? Like, it's a massive book. Like it's, mm. it's not a fun read necessarily, but like Ralph <laughs> Kimball. But I feel like Kimball's referenced a lot in terms of like, data warehousing concepts and things like this so i'd sort of recommend if you wanted to look at a role that's going to involve data warehousing i'd read some, not all of it but like high level read this book because i feel like it's referenced yeah. a lot yeah it's definitely um definitely a good idea to it sometimes you can't actually beat a paperback like the kind of the golden tablet of software engineering um from what i found is cracking the coding interview like it's a massive like i don't know if you've read <laughs> i don't know if you've seen it, it was like an 800 page um book and it is yeah i've got a copy of like a post that's just all inside but um i, I was actually going to disagree with you on something and that is that you said you were lucky and i'm a firm believer that in the industry you make your own luck and i would say you wouldn't have had the opportunity uh to move internally had you not gone in and uh, got, gone and learned the programming in the evenings and that side of things. So that's definitely a big lesson people can take away is if you want to get into it, the best way to do it is to start yourself and build something you, you're interested in for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. I think, yeah, like I wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been working on it in my spare time. So stars align nicely. But yeah, there was obviously some element of like I had, you know, done yeah. a lot of stuff in my own time um, and was able to like see roles that I could do within the company, which made it easier to say like, you know, I, I want to move into this this area, but being able to like having done a bit of kind of work on my own time, being able to say these are the things that I would initially want to go and work on makes it a much easier like value proposition, and it makes it much easier for you to sort of say like to advocate for yourself to like move into another role if you can see work that's not being done that you could do. I think that's kind of like I don't know, pretty important. Yeah, I think the, a lot of the work I see where people get into this kind of role as well is joining a startup straight out of uni. And uh, just doing general growth, it's a great way to, I, I actually think, I actually think you, my biggest hot take for grads um, that don't have a computer science background is that you will learn more going in and doing some kind of growth or ops job in a startup than you would on any graduate scheme in the UK. Like you learn yeah. so much. Yeah, I second that. Absolutely. Um, talent was really great for that. I think it was just like, like, you could get stuck into so many different things. And I feel like it was sort of a great place to start my career. The same thing, yeah, getting stuck into loads of different things and kind of learning how a business works. Um, yeah, I second that, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you, you obviously are now uh, leaving talent for a very exciting reason. Uh, and I think by the time this podcast has come out, you might have actually left. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about Noggin and, and what you're building and what's, what it's all about? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, um, I started working on this maybe in May of this year. And I received some funding um, in July of this year um, from Bethnal Green Ventures. So basically what we're doing is we're building a credit reference agency. Um, so basically we're trying to get better deals for initially for young people in the UK. Because uh, I don't know how much you know about credit scoring, but basically um, the industry sort of works on um, 
you need to have taken out credit in the past to be able to prove that you can be responsible with credit in the future. Um, but a lot of people don't have credit history data. You know, if you're young, you've never accessed credit before, or if you've just moved to the UK, perhaps you also won't have any of that like credit history data. So a lot of millions of people basically are sort of disadvantaged by this system. And yeah, what we're trying to do is use alternative, non-traditional and sort of first party data sources uh, to more accurately predict risk, we believe, um, for these groups and hopefully enable them to get sort of better deals for uh, loans, mortgages, credit cards, mobile phone contracts, basically. That's a fantastic mission. And the stuff you track, is that like uh, is that like rent payments or, or that sort of thing? Or Yeah, absolutely. So one of the key data sources that we're looking at is open banking. Um, mm. So yeah, from that, you can sort of pick up on individuals like rent payments. Um, you can also pick up on um, their utility payments. If you're paying like bills, you can also pick up on, if for example, like... Uh, there was a lot of informal like lending arrangements that happen between sort of households. So for example, like young people often live in house shares and maybe one flatmate pays the rent and one pays the electricity. And through open banking, you can sort of, and what we're trying to do is enable people to sort of join up households and be able to say, okay, this is a, I pay my rent payment to my housemate who then pays the rent, where otherwise these sorts of payments, are, this informal lending is being completely missed. Yeah, I, I was so excited when I saw that you'd post on LinkedIn about this. Cause I figured with, with open banking, like we've, we took great strides ahead, but what didn't catch up was uh, consumer credit and the advantages that you could get from that. So I think it's a, it's a really exciting mission. And, but behind the scenes, are, are you using like BA, uh, BA, BI uh, yourself a, a lot or how, how does that all work? What, what are you building? So as of yet, no, but <laughs> I think having this experience and like having that kind of hat on is very useful in terms of like how we're going to deliver this at scale down the line. Um, but yeah, for now, no, we're sort of pre-product. So at the point right now, what we're doing, it's um, we're basically prototyping, like we've designed an MVP off the back of like a lot of user research uh, with, uh, with people and also with like lenders um, who will be using these sort of predictions that we're going to be making. Um, and yeah, we're prototyping right now, but it's like a very heavily regulated industry. So there's a lot of things we're constrained a lot um, by by the regulation side of things and having to kind of apply for licenses. So for example, until we can, we basically need to apply for like an AISP license to be able to access open banking transaction data. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of like, it's not super easy to go and get stuck in and start building something straight away. Um, but yeah, it's still sort of all kind of... Uh, prototyping right now basically very exciting so a lot, lot of hoops to jump jump through i am glad that there is some regulation around like checking who can see a bank account to be honest yeah no uh, it's good <laughs> yeah no we, we absolutely <laughs> yeah Definitely. but that um yeah that is just so cool and it's the kind of thing that um there's a i feel like there's a new generation of of uh, fintech that is bringing about real positive change and uh, it sounds like you uh, you're going to be at the forefront of that so i can't wait for the product to launch it sounds awesome Amazing. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. I think there's like there's a lot to do in this industry. And I feel like yeah, I'm hoping we can sort of um, have some really positive change. Even if we just scratch the surface, there's so much to be done that I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of impact to be had. Yeah, that, definitely. I couldn't agree more and looking forward to seeing it. And in, in terms of the wider technology sector, obviously, um, you didn't originally, I, well, as we discussed, you originally thought about being a lawyer uh, and you ended up uh, in technology. How do you think we can encourage more young people to see technology as a, as a career option for them? Because 
we have so many roles available, but still young people aren't necessarily getting into it in school. They're maybe getting into it. Uh, I mean, we're both classic examples where uh, we would have been, I mean, I was 22, I guess you would have been roughly the same age when um, we started coding. And it's what what can we do to get kid, encourage kids to start coding at sort of 16 and uh, really get ourselves to the absolute forefront? We're already doing well in, in the UK in our tech sector, but how can we get even better? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't have any particularly like enlightening or like inspiring thoughts on this, to be honest. Yeah. Other than I know from like a personal experience, uh, it wasn't something that I'd even considered remotely, to be honest, until I was so much older. So I feel like there's definitely a huge role in, in something needs to happen in terms of the education system. It's definitely something that I wasn't even really aware of or thinking about. And none of my friends really were either, although having said that my brother has gone to study, both my brothers have actually gone to study sort of computer science degrees. Oh, cool. So they were obviously getting something that I wasn't getting at school, yeah. but they are a bit younger than me. So I'm not sure if maybe a lot has changed from when I was at school, that maybe it's different now, but also maybe like I went to an all girls school. I don't know if maybe that also plays a mm. role because I don't really think the lawyer doctor thing, I think was very like, sort of put on us as opposed to it was things that like we genuinely really wanted to do I think yeah. we were sort of fed like these are the careers you could do um and I think we sort of picked up a lot from that um so yeah I think school it has to come from like a much younger age I'd have loved it if I'd have been able to get into this sort of stuff younger than I did uh, but then equally like I think it's great to be able to be able to tra- change later on um and I know some companies I think do sort of programs don't they where they can sort of is it Sky? Do they like train you on the job? Mm. I think programs like this are like also really, really important for people who, yeah, would be who want to change. Basically, I think there's a, it's. I don't think it's I, contrary to some people's opinion. I think it's quite doable, and yeah. I think um, yeah, companies could sort of train up their sort of next uh, generation as well, as opposed to like relying on universities. It's definitely possible. I, I totally agree. And apprenticeships are a great way to go and then there's also as well like we tend to think of apprenticeships as someone that's maybe you know left school at 18 or so but uh there's other ones of maybe uh for example if you've taken um a few years out of your career to have kids or something and you come back and uh i i think i think it, uh sky ought to run a program for that as well like uh parents returning to work and that yeah. that's a great way because that's there's so many people that are in that position where maybe they've taken a few years out of their career it's a prime time and chance to actually retrain and yeah. it's such a flexible job um yeah which is which is great because most of them you can work remotely i mean both of us are uh, I, I assume you're working remotely uh, as a founder yeah. i'm working remotely <laughs> as uh, i'm 300 miles away from my office so it's yeah uh it, it, it's really good and i think there is solvable i agree with you i'm not a complete pessimist with this and i think it's solvable but uh, there's definitely some work to be done and uh, i think I think the signs are there, but a little bit more needs to be done. Uh, you know, more success stories coming out of the UK is only a good thing. And hopefully we see Noggin as one of those uh, <laughs> big success stories in a few years' time. It'd be, uh, be really cool. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and for SQL, uh, we talked about data warehousing and that side of things, but you've you mentioned a couple of times just how important SQL is. Uh, what's the best way for someone to who maybe, you know, either has programmed a little bit or not at all uh, to pick up SQL. Are there any good online resources you'd recommend? So I started out with a course on Udemy. And I think it was a really nice intro. It was, I can, after this, I'll, work out, I'll tell, send you a message with like the name of the course that I took. I can't yeah. remember off of my head. 
but it was like a Udemy course that actually was super manageable. It was really nice, so informative. And I came away feeling like very positive. You know, you do sometimes you can take courses and you can come away feeling like really disheartened because they get really, really hard, really quick and you get yeah. really confused. This was not one of those courses. I came away thinking, wow, I've really, I, I feel very confident in what they've taught me. Granted, it was only really scratching the surface, but like it was a really, really nice intro. And then a lot of what I did was kind of just on the job, just kind of as I was going. Um, and I was super lucky that I had like an amazing manager who would spend a lot of time like uh, helping me. Um, so I think that's also really important being in an environment where you have somebody who is very knowledgeable and can sort of um, support you in that sort of learning. But then I also took, and I paid more money for this. And I do think it was worth it though. I paid for like a data camp subscription and they have like an SQL fundamentals track, which is made up of like five smaller courses on SQL going from like right to the beginning to kind of like some quite advanced stuff. Uh, at this point, I kind of was already using SQL all the time, day to day, and I felt quite confident. But because I was self-taught, I felt like there were probably gaps. And there were for sure like tiny little nuances that I sort of never really picked up on that are actually really important. But they were so small and it's sort of thing that like, yeah, I had like this tiny little gap. So I took this course that really took me from like A to Z to fill those gaps in. And I think it was, I'm really glad I did it. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit more expensive than like a Udemy course. Um, but it, it's a nice UI and it kind of takes you through everything mm. quite a nice way. And I think sometimes I'm a bit lazy, like, and I'm happy to, to pay for that. I could definitely relate to the kind of gaps thing with self-teaching because I did think about, for me in my in my career, I did think about fully self-teaching and you do just end up with the feeling that you're going to have to take a complete leap of faith to do a job when actually you're not 100% sure that you've covered exactly what yeah. you need to cover <laughs> when you don't have some kind of syllabus yeah. in front of you. It, it's a weird thing to think about because imagine just going and doing like you decide that instead of doing a history degree to save yourself 9,000 a year, you're going to decide, okay, I'm going to self-teach history for three years. And you're sitting there and you're thinking like, oh God, should I have done the Vikings? Should I have done yeah. ancient Greece? <laughs> should I have done revolutionary Russia? Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like it, 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 it's a strange feeling. And I think only self-taught people really get that. Um, yeah. And I, I know exactly what you mean because I, I ended up paying to actually go on a React course in the end. Um, because even though I knew everything else quite well, I just thought like, this is the one thing that uh, I need to learn inside out. And a tip that I would definitely give people, whether you're looking for a BI job, web dev job, data science job, uh, definitely just find out what the most important tool is. In this case, uh, as we've mentioned, it's SQL. Um, and uh, just drill down really deep into that and find some kind of uh, resource. And you said you said data camp was, uh, was, it, was the really good one. Yeah, I really enjoyed Data Camp. Uh, I've heard, I read a lot online though. A lot of people, I didn't get the subscription for a while because I read a lot online saying it's not worth the money. And I, so I, I went to buy it many times and didn't. And then eventually I did. I think it was, I can't remember when it was, but I, I, I was kind of really enjoying doing the free, the, you can do some free courses on there and I was really enjoying them. And I was like, oh, do you know what? I just want to do it because I, I just enjoy doing it. They make the UI really nice and you sort of get like quick wins all the time, you know, like, I don't know, when you do like a small piece, um, but yeah, I actually highly recommend it. I had a great experience uh, using them and they've got loads of different courses on there and they're expanding all the time, particularly around like, I mean, it's very, it's obviously data focused. So it's like, I think it, some of the other platforms that you can use have parts where they're focused on data, but this one, this is kind of entirely data. So it's, it covers a lot of different parts around like data science, data engineering, BI, um, 
so yeah it's pretty comprehensive for getting started in a data career mm. yeah I, I, absolutely that that sounds that sounds really good and i think the thing is people do get worried to spend money because all we're told when we research is you can learn to code for free yeah i'm so <laughs> good i i am yeah. the worst at this like i got a um I got a TikTok account this week <laughs> and I, God, I feel like a pensioner on that. And I, I'm trying to, uh, I'm, I'm dishing out some sort of um, quick, quick bits of advice for people. Oh, and really? I, I just find myself keep saying, here's how you learn to go for free online. And I'm definitely not the only person saying that. Uh, and there's almost a stigma against paying for something. And yeah. you're literally paying into your own, like, salary you're paying into your future yeah. earnings it you're is an investment literally investing in yourself but for some reason it's like a, like a, i don't know this is weird taboo around like oh you shouldn't pay like, you can do it all for free but yeah i also i felt that a lot yeah i yeah exactly and it's not to start a debate on like university fees but like i paid nine thousand a year for my business degree like i for my react course i probably paid in fact i can work this out now i paid two percent um for my react course of what i paid uh, for my uh, for my business degree and I the thing is I actually don't regret doing my business degree but that's a whole other podcast yeah. <laughs> in, in of itself but uh, I, I still use it a lot but yeah it's people get very afraid to invest in, in themselves and if you have the money um, definitely don't go into debt for it yeah. um, especially unsecured uh, debt and um, obviously you can yeah, uh, if you can afford it, uh, do it. I feel like it's definitely a good idea if I'm talking with someone who's in kind of ethical fintech to say that uh, don't do, don't pay <laughs> no, for something don't. if you can't afford it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, but. Um, but yeah, no, I think there's a lot of like really cool resources out there, and they're not obscenely expensive. But yeah, I definitely felt like there was a taboo around like paying for these resources for a while, yeah. and now I'm sort of like I'm. Sometimes it's 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 hard to do everything through books I think mm. and free courses and like piecing everything together sometimes you do just want someone to walk you through from A to Z and you can sort of sit back and just uh just enjoy the ride so I feel like um it's it's worth doing yeah whilst cost and value don't always correlate they often do and uh don't, don't just go for the highest pay, but, um, yeah. price course but like if something if something's affordable then like uh, even just a udemy course uh, like for a smaller example just paying 10 pounds for a udemy course versus um just scouring through some low to medium quality youtube tutorials it's yeah. it's definitely worth going for the for the udemy course like uh, the one uh, that this podcast is actually sponsored by uh, zero to mastery they actually run their own thing now but um, I paid nine pounds on sale for their Udemy course, and it was like something ridiculous, like fifty hours of video content, um, and it was just perfect. And it, it's it's uh, you can get ten percent off with my code Friends Ten uh, <laughs> if you uh, if you click follow the link in the description. Um, that that's how you can uh, get some money off, and I do recommend it uh, because yeah, it definitely people there's a weird stigma against paying for uh, paying for resources, and a lot of people get very elitist about how they get they're the most self taught. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's no, a weird attitude. It's very weird, yeah, yeah. But I think even for me, just like the confidence that it gave me is knowing that, like, those gaps that we just mentioned, it's like, you, you never really know if you're covering everything. And I think, like, having someone take you through from, you know, obviously, like, not, you know, it doesn't take you all the way, but, like, it gets you kind of that solid base, that foundation that you need. I think for me, just, like, knowing that I'd kind of covered something that was sort of, uh, yeah, designed by someone else who kind of knows and is an expert in this sort of made me feel it definitely just my own confidence was like a something that I needed to do I think rather than kind of um yeah as you say like piecing together bits I think no, to have that confidence it sort of comes from knowing you've covered those foundations well mm. 
Absolutely. And your uh, what have been your biggest takeaways from learning to code in this whole journey of going from, uh, what, what was your degree in again? Um, I, I said history earlier. But, yeah, yeah. I did, like bits of like policy, economics, politics. Um, these takeaways. Um, I think it's more just like, you can really, well, I don't know, but I feel like the confidence really that you can do some, whatever you kind of apply yourself to, you can do it. And I think like, yeah, like being able to look back and sort of just seeing the progress that I made from like really when I started, I honestly, I did not know anything at all. And then like seeing, you see such like rapid progress in your own abilities on, a, you know, going at the same problem that you maybe looked at a year before and you found really hard and looking at it a year later and being like, I know what I have to do and I can do it way better than I did it a year ago and way quicker and way more easily. And I feel like just seeing that progress in yourself over time is like such a cool one to experience. And yeah, like I didn't necessarily think that I had like any, it makes me kind of give me this confidence that, yeah, you can kind of, if you apply yourself to something, you will be able to do it. Because at the beginning, that seems some of these things that I was looking at, I, I thought they were impossible, you know, I was like, oh, I'll never be able to do this. It's going to be way too hard. But yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is just like, if you just, if you work through things slowly, break things, problems down into small pieces, time you need to give it time it's not going to happen overnight but if you do give it time and you keep coming back every day and trying again you will get there um it's probably like the biggest takeaway for me personally anyway yeah uh the the task of learn to code is so gargantuan and there's so many different parts within it and it's so intimidating but um your point about time is just so true and uh related to that as well i i don't know if you agree with me on this but i i feel like an an hour a day seven days a week would be 10 hours a week once a week so if you spend your entire saturday each week practicing coding for 10 hours or if you spent seven hours spread over the seven days coding i think even though it's less time you would learn more with the spread with the spread out um like time do, do you agree i don't know i don't know actually to be honest because i think for me when i was learning i'd get like very confused right i'd be confused like basically the whole time right and for me to like work through something and like see it through, I think I'd need more than an hour often, you know, like to really get something like what I don't like to do is to start something and leave it unfinished. Like the thing mm -hmm. it demotivates me. So if I had like a really manageable way of like, say I was doing a course an hour a day for sure. And I could close off little things every day. Amazing. But also at the same time, like I wouldn't want to leave something open if I'm really confused and my brain hasn't quite been able to process what I'm doing. I wouldn't want to leave it because maybe like, I don't know, slightly longer sessions than an hour for me, I think, to like get my head around something new. But yeah, I think like more frequent as opposed to like, it's kind of the key. It's just like putting time in over, yeah, high frequency, I think is is important. Yeah. Um, and it either way, whichever method you go through, you're still spending that time learning. And I definitely see where you're coming from. And I, I've been thinking about it and thinking maybe I should have done two hours, three times a week instead or something, because I, I see what you mean. Get Breaking into the flow takes a little while, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And I think like I don't like to leave things where I haven't felt like I've completed something or made it really clear in my head. I don't like going away confused. I, obviously it happens. <laughs> of course yeah. it happens. <laughs> but ideally, like I would try to avoid that. So yeah, I think like having a few hours, maybe like, yeah, like, two or three hours to sit down and really get into that flow, as you say, um, would be my ideal, I think. Um, but yeah, I used to like just love kind of 
every night even though I don't know how you can code for an hour I'm not like honestly like when I was like learning <laughs> I come home from work and I'd like, like sitting like on my laptop in my bed going I don't know why but I'd like sit in my bed and like I would always say like oh, I'll just do an hour but it's just it's very hard because you get like mm. so like sucked into what you're doing um yeah I think it'd be hard to limit to just an hour yeah you do end up getting in these moods where you feel like you're unstoppable and you don't want to stop like I've had I've had it once I think where I stayed up until 5am coding and that was a good but horrible feeling like it's quite addictive I think like once you're in the flow once you're like I don't know I think it can be quite quite addictive um especially when I was learning I used to get like very like carried away in the evenings like staying up really late just like I don't know going to working through courses and stuff because yeah. courses give you like that nice quick win you know they give you like a small problem and let you go and solve it and then you're like boom amazing and you've got a bit of a high and then you want to do the next one yeah I caught myself working through project Eula today because uh, this is actually calling back to something again you said earlier which I totally agree with about comparing yourself to uh, your work you've done before I was clearing out some old repositories on, on github and I found my old project Eula one where uh, I'm working through these algorithm questions and just looking back at my code from like three years ago, it was awful. Like I refactored it. I think I deleted 90% of it <laughs> um, and was able to refactor it. But I got, I, I scratched that itch again. I felt like I was learning to code again when I was doing yeah. it. So I was thinking like, I can make this so much better. And in yeah. the end I was like, right, I've definitely overrun my lunch hour here slightly. I need to stop. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it's probably the only... Uh, for for me, like I, I just feel so lucky to be able to um, do something I actually enjoy for a for a career, and yeah, it's 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 awesome. And I think um, people are people have definitely got a thorough endorsement for both of us uh, in terms <laughs> of learning to code is fun. Um, are you are you going to hope to code? Um, like, are you going to look after like the BI basically side of things for for Noggin? Then is is that the plan going forward? Definitely in the beginning, uh, but I I don't see myself. It's really hard. I honestly so hard to say at this point, but like, yeah, definitely in the beginning, I'm going to do a lot of that myself. I anticipate, depending on how things go, hiring yeah. a lot of people to support us because uh, data is like the baseline of like our, you know, our whole business. And I feel like um, maybe where I'm more useful is I'm not, you know, I'm not the best ever, you know, data engineer or the best ever data scientist, obviously where there are people who really are absolute experts in these things. And I feel like almost my role potentially where I'm more useful and valuable to Noggin is being that kind of joining the dots between many different areas of the business, like the commercial side of the business with the data side of the business, with kind of being that person that joins the dots, I think might be more my, where I have like the most added value as opposed to, um, I think long-term anyway, but in the beginning, yeah, of course. I'm yeah. Do <laughs> Got to do a bit of everything in the beginning. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and if people want to hear more about the news uh, about Noggin and then eventually as well about hiring um, into, into the future, what, what's the best way to uh, keep up to date with the news? So it depends what you want. If you want like the fun stuff, we have an Instagram. If you want the serious, more kind of business stuff, hiring, this side of things, we also uh, are on LinkedIn. Uh, we also have a blog that we call Blogging, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is on Medium as well. Um, it's linked from our um, Instagram and from our LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, either of those two platforms, depending on if you're wanting like fun or if you're wanting more sort of serious kind of job stuff. Um, I think that's probably the best way. Yeah, I enjoyed quite a few of your memes on Instagram. <laughs> They're very funny. <laughs> And are you um, are you still looking for like uh, uh, UX testers at the moment, like for people to to check 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 it out and give some feedback? Or 
Yeah, we're really looking for people right now. It's really just user research. We're just trying to get a, a sense of kind of, it's very high level at this point, trying to understand how people think about think about money and how they think about um, this sort of data. Um, so yeah, we're looking for people to do sort of user research sessions. It's normally like 30 minutes um, on a Zoom call, just answering some questions, all quite random, kind of around the topic of like money and borrowing money, but like not anything particularly um, serious. But yeah, if anyone's interested in doing that, that would be, yeah, really, really fantastic. Brilliant. And uh, all the details for that will be in the uh, description as well for any listeners that are, are curious. We'll, we'll include all of those. Um, but yeah, that all sounds really exciting. And I'm sure uh, the audience as well are uh, willing you on to do well, because <laughs> it's always great to hear uh, about people that uh, have that kind of win-win uh, model where um, where consumers win out uh, using their business as well. So um, that sounds really exciting. And th- thanks so much for coming on. It's been a really insightful episode, uh, I'm sure for the listeners, but also for me, because I didn't know that much about BI. So it's really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's been really, really fun. Um, yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. No, no problem at all. And um, yeah, if you like, like I said, um, if you want to hear more about Noggin, then um, please follow all the links in the description. If people want to get in touch with you directly, is, is LinkedIn best? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn's perfect. Yeah. Brilliant. Sounds good. Uh, so thanks again for listening uh, to this week's episode of The Code of Career. I've been Cameron Blackwood. If you want to contact me as well, uh, feel free. Um, I did uh, mention the TikTok earlier. That is the new addition to the family. So uh, unfortunately, I will not be doing any dances or anything like that. But if you want some quick hits of tech advice uh, for your career, then uh, do follow us on there. It's at The Code of Career. Um, but until then, have a great week and happy coding. Happy coding.